I'm Syra, a psychologist and a human rights advocate. Welcome to the podcast on recovery from coercive control, a podcast that tries to unpack how coercive control impacts mental health, what psychology can teach us about recovery, and how to promote recovery and healing to build a hopeful future. So when I think of recovery, I base my work with survivors on Judith Herman and her stages of recovery from trauma. So in her view, recovery is not linear, but more like a spiral. So things, events are revisited, memories are revisited, and eventually fully integrated. In recovery, internal feelings have to move from feeling scared, anxious, and in fear to moving towards safety. And the traumatic memory has to become more of an acknowledged memory. And instead of feeling isolated, survivors need to still feel connected. So yes, I do think recovery is possible, and I do have hope for survivors, of course, of control. And what I usually say to survivors is that nothing can eliminate the pain or the loss, because there is a lot of grieving, and no one can get over or move on from losing a loved one. So how can we move on or get over a traumatic experience such as domestic violence. But what we can do in recovery is grow larger and absorb and carry the loss better and move towards having a meaningful present and future. So I don't think the pain is about eliminating the memories of the events, but about coping with them and building hope toward for a better future. Of course, this also depends on what happened to the person, and every survivor has their own story, and it wouldn't be fair to generalize across everybody's experiences. But the first and most crucial stage of recovery is safety. So when you think about recovery from coercive control, I think about it as recovery from a relational trauma. Feeling fear in a relationship that is important to you is not acceptable. Suffering from chronic fear with abuse is detrimental to anybody's emotional and psychological well-being. And the impact of how this, how a survivor has coped with this can be varied. Not every survivor will need therapy and each person is different. But recovery while in a relationship with the person that is harming you, I don't think is possible. Time and space away from abuse is needed for healing to get that safety. One needs to be separated in order to fully heal and repair because a survivor needs to reconnect with their feelings and desires and figure out who they are and what they want. And it's hard to do this if somebody is still harming you. Not only that, but the abuser has implanted their view and beliefs of the world in the survivor, and they need that time away to figure out and battle this within their head to see, well, do they actually take on the abuser's view or do they have something else that they can relate to or that works for them? It's difficult because the survivor is trying to figure out what is valid, what is reality, and this has all become confused. In reality, survivors must often live with the person who's harming them for a variety of pragmatic and very good reasons. 
leaving the relationships is equivalent to burning and destroying everything in your life. So the person has to be prepared for incredible hardship. The survivor knows this and must decide when the time is right and even if this is possible for them. I have worked with people where sadly that for some it might be too late or just too much. And for many survivors, it is the case of planning and thinking in advance on how to make an exit that's best for themselves. But when I'm talking about recovery, this is going to be aimed at those people who have been able to separate. But I'd like to acknowledge that leaving can be challenging for a variety of reasons, stalking, monitoring, information gathering through mutual social contacts, joint financial issues, and when there's children involved, Sadly, the abuse continues often through the children. So first, the survivor needs to separate and heal, and then the children have to come to terms with that relationship with the abusive person. How and what contact the children have with the abusive parent is not often in the control of the survivor, and I often recommend to survivors they first focus on their own recovery in order to support the children through theirs. I sadly hear often children who are manipulated and told inappropriate and or untrue information, completely unaware they're being used as pawns to harm their non-abusive parent. If the survivor has been able to leave, the first and most important step in achieving safety can be prolonged. Court battles, child custody disputes, threat of physical harm, these all need to be taken into consideration. If this is ongoing, then the focus in therapy is on trying to build a life where one can feel stable and plant seeds for the future. If you're in this stage, it is how to build a meaningful and peaceful life in the present, managing strong emotions and reactions that are quite normal given what you're going through, and moving towards strategies for coping that are better and healthier for your mind and body. This is a good time to connect with other survivors and support groups and organizations dedicated to helping survivors. Making connections with people who understand and get you is crucial to recovery. They can also help you make sense of the coercive control tactics that were being used in your situation and hopefully help generate generate understanding about what happened to you and hopefully reduce how bad you likely feel about yourself. I truly feel that anyone can be a victim and everybody has vulnerabilities to exploit. Gentleness and kindness to the self and the situation needs to be generated along with a lot of grief because very likely there have been many losses. The second stage in recovery is the retelling of your story. Some of this may be possible with loved ones or people who support you in therapy The focus would be on post-traumatic symptoms that are still present, but we can only do this once the person is in a safe place. Strong emotional reactions that are disproportionate to the situation, strong feelings of shame, anxiety, or depression, nightmares, flashbacks, low self-esteem, fear of intimacy, and difficulty trusting others. These are just a few of the things that have happened to the people I've worked with. With the people I have spoken to, many have been able to build lives that are meaningful and well-connected, and I did ask them how they managed so well. I was surprised to learn that a lot of them told me emotionally they still struggled, and they 
all told me that they needed therapy in order to heal this part of themselves, despite outwardly seeming very successful. Others chose to live with this emotional struggle or stay single as a result of their inability to or difficulty trusting others, which is understandable given what they went through. I would encourage people who have the means and the motivation to look to heal this part of themselves in therapy. I do think it can reduce the distress. And I've also witnessed people have very traumatic memories and that are upsetting. And very often we are able to shift them with either EMDR, schema, or compassion-focused therapy. It really depends on what the person is struggling with when the psychological professional can explain what approaches might be helpful depending on what the issue is, and then the survivor can choose what they think will work best for them. It is very important that you as a survivor has control and choice in your recovery. So the final stage in recovery is reconnection. Reconnection socially, professionally, and the ability to have intimacy. This is a very important step with someone who has experienced relational trauma and very difficult. In recovery, I think of social connection as circles of intimacy, with the circles on the outside being acquaintances, then perhaps work colleagues or classmates, then friends or family members, and then the innermost circle is the person that is closest to you and usually a partner. For me, Recovery is the ability to have a choice to sustain relationships in every one of those circles. And I do think psychological support can be helpful in these areas as well. I hope this podcast has been helpful in your journey to understanding what has happened to you and provided some new insights and perhaps hopefully even helped you feel less alone. I would love any feedback, helpful suggestions or ideas on what you would like to hear more about. So please do get in touch with me at drzyracon at protonmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to hearing from you.